Is everybody ready? We all got situated. So as I get into this tonight, please agree with me in prayer, but again, as little moving around as possible, and really give me your best ear, because I feel like that these sermon, this particular sermon series about the warfare against the glory, I'm going to explain some things here in a moment, but I feel like these are not just sermons, that they're protective pastoral messages and warnings to help you down the road to protect you from some strategies that Satan would try against different people against the church and if if we're prepared and we know some things going into it and we'll apply it to our lives we'll apply the word I believe that everybody's going to be just fine you know so the Bible says to not be ignorant of Satan's devices and so that's what I'm doing I'm talking about some of his strategies all right, so Father, as we come before you tonight with the word of the Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We love your word. And as we get into this tonight, Lord, I pray that your precious Holy Spirit would move upon everybody that's going to be listening because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Jesus taught us John 14 through 16 that when he goes, the, the comforter, our counselor will come and he will lead us in all truth. So, Lord, I pray the precious Holy Spirit would move upon every person that's going to be hearing this and would help us to touch our hearts and minds and help us to be good, fertile soil. Like the parable of the seed and sower, we don't want to be have hard hearts and have rocky soil that God can't penetrate. We want to have good soil that the Word of God can land in and produce fruit. And, Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would touch our eyes and ears. Because we need to be able to see and hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church. And Lord, help us have eyes and ears of the Spirit. And I pray that you would speak through me your words of life. And these would go out as living seeds of truth that's sown into good soil by the Holy Spirit. And those seeds would be watered by the Holy Spirit and take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest in every one of us. Wherever this is going. And, and this, this will be fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And Lord, let the precious Holy Spirit, the winds of the Spirit, carry this around the world, everywhere it needs to go. And Lord, we stand on the promise that it will not return void, but go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So let there be a washing of the water of the word. Let there be a light, like a penetrating light that's going to shine and dispel all the darkness, lies, evil, and deception of the enemy and bring truth. Lord, let your word be a hammer that breaks down every stronghold, a sword that penetrates where it needs to go. And this will be powerful, effective, and a fruitful time in the Word. And everything will be accomplished in through this as God's will be done. And help us, Lord, by the Holy Spirit to really get locked in and focused and not distracted on, by anything, but to really get locked in to, to be able to really get everything out of this because I feel it's important. And so, Lord, we thank you for hearing and answering this prayer now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm dealing with warfare against the glory. And... Is everybody's really, really hearing me tonight? And I believe you are. I just see, prophetically down the road, I see some things coming. The Lord has told me the glory is going to increase here significantly, and it has been since he told me that. Even tonight, it just seems like it just keeps getting deeper. The glory is going to increase tremendously. And God's going to do something significant. There's going to be the tent pegs. There's going to be an increase. God's got a harvest for us he's got a move of his spirit and he's going to do something powerful but how many of you guys know that the devil's not just going to sit back on his hands he's going to you know he didn't 
He's going to um, try what he can get away with. Let's put it that way. And so I'm here to help expose that and warn you before it comes. And there's different attacks that the devil uses against revival. One of them is a religious spirit. This is a very, very foul, evil spirit from the pit of hell. It is a powerful spirit. It's not, it is not a joke. It's very dangerous. Jesus, that was probably the greatest attack of, against Jesus Christ's ministry was that of a religious spirit through the Pharisees. It is, a, it is a vile, vile spirit. And the people that get under the influence of that spirit, they don't mean to, just like the Pharisees. The Pharisees would have swore that they were being used of God, but they were being used of the devil. That's what a religious spirit will do to people. God said, I'll pour out my spirit in the last days. God starts pouring out his spirit, and the religious Pharisees rise up under the influence of demonic spirits and begin to oppose that move of God with every fiber of their being. They call people false prophets, false teachers. They say it's a cult. Um, they'll say it's, it's satanic. They'll say it's witchcraft. And they did that to Jesus. They cast out demons by, you know, Beelzebub. And they'll, they'll, man, it's, it's very close to blasphemy of the Spirit, but it's definitely an enemy of the Holy Spirit for sure. And, um, man, they will come against the move of God. That's a religious spirit. It's demonic. And they'll, they'll, they're the ones that are leading people astray. But they'll sit back and act like they're exposing the, the people that are leading people astray. See what I mean? It's total deception. Then you're dealing with a Jezebel spirit. And let me tell you, that is a serious, serious spirit. I've had a head-on collision with that thing a number of times. It is not a joke. It will attack viciously. And you can't put up with it at all. You can't be controlled. It tries to bring depression. It tries to bring sickness. And it tries to bring mental and emotional oppression. Bottom line is, it's straight up witchcraft from the pit of hell. And it will try to, to like harpoon a revival. Satan tries to sow those people in the midst of that place. And I, I go through the church on a regular basis. And I have my hands up. I walk through here. And I pray, Lord, prevent those people from being able to come. If for some reason in your sovereignty you allow, it, allow them to come, do not let them get their roots down. Don't let them get entangled in anybody's life. I ask you, Lord, to expose them quickly and send your angels to get them out of this place that they're not able to take anybody down with them I pray that regularly because I know how vicious and vile when somebody gives themselves over to that spirit they can become and um, the other spirit that I want to confront is Leviathan and this is a spirit that traffics through pride and this is the one I'm dealing with first and I feel like I really need to spend time with this, so I'm not rushing it. The spirit of Leviathan is very, very powerful and very dangerous. It is a spirit that will try to sweep through a church in a move of God if it can find a way to do it. And it can bring widespread destruction. It is the spirit that is behind about 99% 
of any type of a split that happens, it was Leviathan that was involved in that split because it's pride. And because of pride, people get lifted up in pride and they begin to rebel against the leaders and they begin to go around and gossip about the leaders. And then, pretty soon, there's division. And when the people leave, obviously finances that they were giving goes with them. And Satan's goal is widespread destruction. He wants not only to, to remove people, but he wants to remove finances where that church ends up having to shut the doors because they don't have the funds. In other words, Leviathan wants to completely take down a church completely and I could unfortunately I won't get into it tonight but I could literally tell you true stories that Leviathan that I know personally have happened that took down churches and they don't exist anymore and at one time they were powerful and the way that it happens is is people in the church pew that give themselves over to these unclean spirits and they don't mean to but they begin to entertain the thoughts. They begin to, to go along with the feelings, the things that the, the demonic realm is impressing, feelings upon their emotions, putting thoughts in their head, critical negative thoughts about the leaders, about the church. And they keep entertaining that and coming into agreement with it. How many knows Jesus, I mean, the Bible says to resist the devil. But this is what these people are doing. They're agreeing with the devil. But they think it's God. Here comes the deception part. They think that those feelings and those thoughts are God. And it's the devil. So consequently, they get lifted up with pride and they begin to rebel. And it can cause a lot of problems. So let me go ahead and just jump into this. I'm going to give you a few stories tonight just to try to help you and protect you from these things. Bottom line is, if people were really, truly from their heart of hearts, humble themselves before God and stay humble, daily be humble, God will clothe you with his grace and he'll keep you. It's when people start getting prideful, that's when they end up falling. So James chapter 4, starting with verse 6, but he gives a greater grace. How many knows that we need his grace to keep us? We really do. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So please don't read over that too quickly. God himself opposes the proud. Okay, God will resist them. God will set his hand against the arrogant, that nothing about them will prevail. It won't prosper. God will do it. But he'll give his grace to the humble. If God's grace is on somebody, his favor, his protection, that they're walking in humility, if God's grace is on somebody, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at them, they will bounce back. They will overcome. They will prevail. But if somebody is haughty and prideful, they will collapse under the weight of that. They, eventually, they're going to fall, and they're going to be humiliated. But it's because they're lifted up with pride verse 7 submit therefore to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you verse 8 draw near to God and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded be miserable and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom he's talking here about repenting 
He's saying, really repent. Humble yourself before God and really repent of everything in your life. How many knows there is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance? There's a getting on your face. There's a healthy weeping. And there's a real true repentance from the heart. In verse 10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. And here it is. And then God will exalt you. You want God to do it. And it says, do not speak against one another. See, this is where pride comes in. When pride comes in, people feel really comfortable running down their brothers and sisters in Christ. They feel very comfortable gossiping. They feel very comfortable speaking against leaders because they're full of pride. It says, do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against his brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge your neighbor? So be careful with being critical of other people. You know, that's something I've seen with uh, religion and with pride is people will really be critical. They'll come into another place somewhere or whatever and they're just, they're so critical. They don't like the worship. They're critical of the, the people that are speaking. They're critical of the messages. And the sad thing is, they're the one that has the heart problem. And consequently, God opposes the proud. It's about a 99% probability that they're going to leave that service not getting a thing out of it. And God really wanted to touch them. But it's because of pride and criticism coming in like that that they can't receive. If they came in humble and understood that these are, these are God's people and God loves them, they may be different than me, they may look different, do different songs than I'm used to, preach different than I'm used to. You know? I mean, I went from, from two different complete completely different places this weekend my wife would agree with me we end up two very different places where we receive ministry and um one of the preachers was just running around jumping on pews and stuff <laughs> he was awesome i liked but you know i remember one time <clears throat> you guys like brother benny baker yeah. oh man i love brother benny i don't know his wife but she seems like she's a hoot and um I remember one time she was saying that she, she went to a, a church service and she said it was a, one of those old-fashioned Pentecostal churches. She said the Holy Spirit started moving. People started jumping, yelling, running around. And somebody said, oh my God, what'd you do? Did you run? Did you leave? She said, no, are you kidding? I jumped up, started running around with them and started praising God, entering in. Matthew 24, verse 3. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when, you, when will we see all these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? So here Jesus is talking about end time prophecy. And they say, Lord, when will these things happen? What is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And what's the first thing Jesus says? And Jesus answered and said to them, look at this, don't miss this. See to it that no one misleads you. And the word there can translate deceives you. That's the very first thing Jesus says. So out of all Matthew 24, here's Jesus' sermon on the end times. The great discourse as Jesus is going to deal with everything unfolding. I mean, he goes into what's called the abomination that causes desolation. That's when the Antichrist sits in the temple. He deals with all of it. He deals with what's going to happen to Israel. 
But the very first thing out of his mouth, be careful that nobody deceive you. Deception is going to be thick in these last days. It already is. And then he says, at that time, now I'm skipping from verse 4 to verse 10 for the sake of time. I encourage you to read all of Matthew 24 this week. But look at what he says in verse 10. See, this has to do with pride. He says, at that time, many will fall away. What does the Bible say about pride? It will cause a fall. Oh, you see what I'm saying? Many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Verse 11, many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Verse 12, because of lawlessness, because lawlessness increases, most people's love will grow cold. All of that right there is, has to do with pride in somebody's heart. They're going to fall away. They're going to betray other people. They're going to hate other people. Deception. Remember this. Very little deception comes in but through pride. When people are humble, there's a grace at work there to keep you. It's when people get prideful that they end up getting into deception. Did y'all catch that? Verse 12, well, because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. Verse 24, so I'm skipping from 12 to 24. And he says, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. That's how thick deception is going to be, that there's going to be powerful people that somehow represent Christ, but they're not Christ's. They're not really his. They're false Christ, false prophets, and false teachers, but they look just like Christians. They look just like real ministers. As a matter of fact, they will operate in signs and wonders. But Jesus said, it, if possible, it would even deceive the elect. That's how thick deception would be. Why is it not possible? Because God's going to keep his elect. How many knows the Lord's able to keep his elect? And Jesus said, Behold, I've told you in advance. So there's going to be some counterfeit, some false things. All right, and then 1 Timothy 4, 1 but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith. Again, pride comes, then the fall. And like I mentioned last week, something that's really concerned me. And I know you guys have eyes to see and ears to hear about this. But this gets out there to a lot of people. But I've seen an increasing, rotten, disgusting attitude out there among the people toward church and toward church leadership that is arrogant and what they're doing is they're cutting themselves off from the actual body of Christ they're cutting themselves off from the fivefold ministry how arrogant does somebody have to be that they feel like they can sit back and just judge the whole body of Christ all churches all all leadership and go off and they're going to be just fine it don't work like that and what's going to happen is you're either going to be a part of the true body of Christ. I'm the real deal. Not everybody calls themselves a Christian. You're either going to be a part of, of the true body of Christ or 
eventually you're going to be a part of the body of the antichrist but there's not going to be any middle ground there's not going to be in this riding the fence business and i don't know about you but i want to be in god's kingdom i want to be among his people and i still believe in the local church and i still believe in the fivefold ministry but he said that some will fall away from the faith now look at this paying attention to deceitful spirits this can translate in the Greek as seducing spirits or deceiving spirits. There is a seductive and a deceptive power behind the occult. Unfortunately, there's been a real movement among children and young people for a while now. There's like a seducing spirit about witchcraft divination sorcery to kind of have a pull it's a seductive pull it's a deception to try to suck young people into it and it's like a web and once they dabble in it mess with it they begin to open themselves up to spirits but there's a deception there it's the same way with false doctrines and and cults there's something there that's alluring about these things what it is it's a demonic spirit that's a seducing or a deceiving spirit that is trying to pull people in it says that these people will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons let me tell you we're living in a time when i know that you know this but let me say it again that even even very basic foundational doctrines are being attacked and challenged in churches foundational stuff and he said by means of hypocrisy of liars who it says seared their own conscience as with a branding iron you know what happens God will convict people but if people keep resisting the Holy Spirit, listen, I want to be where the Holy Spirit can convict me and I repent immediately. If I'm in a public place and the Holy Spirit convicts me that I'll go to my car or excuse myself to the restroom and say, Lord, forgive me. You know, I want to be somebody that's real tender like that. But here's what happens. I know when we, we grill steaks and things like that periodically, you know, you turn your grill on, you turn it up, get it real hot, and you take a piece of meat and you throw it on there, and you, you burn it on high for about, about two minutes or so, and it sears the outside. You flip it and do that again, it sears the other side. And what happens is because you sear it like that, it, it's supposed to help trap the moisture. But that's what the Bible's warning, is that because people will resist the Holy Spirit's conviction in their life, that eventually their own conscience will get seared. As with a branding iron. Now this is the part that really sticks out to me and concerns me. He says, men who forbid marriage. Now, when you think about that for a minute, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Roman Catholicism. Now remember that this was written way like hundreds of years, about 300 years before 
Constantine even came to power. Also, it says, and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared by those who, what comes to mind about forbidding certain foods? Rabbinic Judaism. Kosher. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've even seen groups among Christianity that, that are getting pretty cultish about some of these things. I'll talk about some of it here in a moment. So, and he goes on to say, in verse 4, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude for it is sanctified, look at this, by the word of God in prayer. Remember we talked about last week about personal convictions about food sacrificed to idols. Paul's stance was, look, just go through the market and, and buy the food you need and it'll be sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Just pray over it. But there were certain people that their consciences, and he said there's room for personal convictions about it. Some people's faith is weak and they live in fear. And to them, they, they can't do that. And so we don't need to judge each other about things, about personal convictions. Amen. We covered that last week. All right. But this is the part, and let me say this too before I go on, because I believe that this is very important, because some people have a tendency toward fear, and that's not God. So let me say this up front. I have more faith in God to keep me than I do in the devil to ever deceive me. I really do. The Bible says to him who is able to keep you. And God is able to keep me. All right. So this is what I wanted to get into tonight. I read some scriptures. And now I'm going to just simply tell a few stories. Because I'm, I'm really concerned for you guys. And I, I want to make sure that everybody's going to be okay down the road. Very little deception has come in but through pride. Down through the years I've run into people. I remember I was talking to another pastor, a friend of mine. We were, we were having lunch, and I was telling him, just in conversation, I don't remember how it came up, but I told him, I said, you know, it's interesting because I've seen down through the years, whether it be in my church or other churches, I've seen that there were people sometimes that were lifted up with pride, and then they rebelled. They kind of turned people against the leaders. They left on bad terms. Whew, man, I would not want to be in that camp because that is not a good place to be spiritually. But I was telling him, I was like, you know, you would think as time passed that eventually these people would want to make things right just for themselves, you know, and would call up the leadership on the phone or something and just say, man, I'm sorry for anything I did or said. How hard is that? But I mean, I would want to do that because I wouldn't want to have anything that would hinder me in my walk with God. I would want to make things right, even if I had to eat some humble pie, maybe an extra slice or two, you know. And, and I was thinking, I was saying, why well, people do this? And, and he told me, he said, and he, he was a lot older than me. He told me, he said, I've seen this for many, many years as well. And he said, out of all that I've seen in my entire ministry, which he's about 20 years older than me, he said, I've only seen about one time that somebody did that. And he said, you know why? Because there's an element of pride there that they're never going to do it. 
So pride leads to deception. And pride leads people to become rebellious. So see, rebellion is almost always a result of pride because the person begins to think, who are you to tell me what to do? I'm going to do what I want to do. And that, there's a root of pride in that. And I remember there was a story one time. There's two things I want to deal with tonight. And then I'm going to close this out. I'm, I'm concerned about two things. One is about status and the other is about deception. There was a story. There was a revival that really broke out some years ago. And God began to really move in this revival. And as the case with many moves of the Holy Spirit, there's different Holy Spirit manifestations. It's a funny thing, but God seems to not really care about our ego. He's not overly concerned with how popular we are, you know, and that, that somebody might make fun of you or something. I don't think God cares at all. And I don't think he wants us to care because, see, that's pride. But anyway, God moves that way. And in this particular revival, I mean, people were really getting hit by the power of God. People be on the ground. They'd be shaking. Sometimes they might be laughing. Sometimes they'd be crying. And there was a man... It's a true story. There was a man that, that was in the medical field and he had a lot of money and he was prestigious in the community. And he saw that his kids were on the floor, you know, shaking under the power or whatever. And he told the pastor, he said, well, you know, he said, I appreciate the move of God and all that and I appreciate what I've seen, the change in my kids. But bottom line is, I have an image to keep in the community. And I can't have my kids rolling around the floor at church. It's not good for my status. It's not good for business. Well, the sad thing is, once he took his kids out of revival, it didn't end up going well for the kids later on in life. I'll just leave it at that. It would have been a lot better had he let them stay in the revival. But see, people get so interested in their status, in their reputation, that they won't humble themselves to receive. Now, let me tell you the exact polar opposite of this. Steve Hill stated this. He said, a man's desperation for God will melt away all preoccupations with self notoriety public image or social status your hunger and thirst if it is genuine will drive you to eat and drink regardless of the opinions of others you will be willing to look like a fool in the sight of others in order to be embraced in the arms of the lord that's humility and i remember during a particular revival there was a man who was a principal of a school in that particular city. And many of the kids were getting powerfully touched in this revival. But their parents weren't saved. And they were talking to this principal, and he had to humble himself as a principal and be willing to look like a fool 
and be willing to be persecuted because the kids were coming to him and were asking him about Jesus. <laughs> so he was telling them. And he said, look, bottom line is the laws of the land, if they come to me and ask me, I can tell them. And so he was telling them about Jesus. And um, he was also giving them rides to church. <laughs> but he said it would surprise you how many parents out there, listen, this is, this is what he said. He said, there's people watching this that probably won't believe me. But he said, I've had run-ins with parents. He said, there's parents out there that would much rather their kids be experimenting with drugs and alcohol and sleeping around, etc., than they would be in church. But he had to be willing, even in his position, to be persecuted and look like a fool to serve the Lord. But you know what? At the end of the day, he saw a lot of young people accept Christ. There was a particular, this is another story I wanted to tell. But before I get on that, don't worry about your status. You know, a lot of times people that kind of have a prideful issue, they have a hard time really being free in their worship, expressing themselves. They always struggle with self-image. They they're concerned about other people looking at them, what people are going to think of them. All that's pride. A lot of times people that deal with pride actually are very insecure. And it's, it's the insecurity in them that causes them to struggle with pride. And if they would let the Lord heal and take that insecurity out of them, they wouldn't deal with that anymore. Because I'm just going to tell you just from many, many years now being a Christian and all that, and God does not care at all about your ego i'm just telling you i remember this caught me totally by off guard I, and of course i couldn't care less anyway my wife will tell you sometimes she's like you're gonna do that you know because i just don't care what people think but i remember we were at this church service and um we were just sitting there just in the altar time praying and man i did not see this coming at all and the pastor walked by and prayed for me i got hit by the power thrown backward and it totally caught me off guard of course i loved every minute of it but the point is, is that I couldn't care less what people thought about it. If you want to really get touched by God, you've got to lose the whole thing about what people think of me. It can hinder your witness and it can hinder you from being effective for the kingdom. Because the, the apostle Paul said this, I cannot be a bondservant for Christ if I am living to please men. That's what he said. And so there has to come a point in time where you really just quit caring. God's got to help you with it. He's got to take it out of you. But you quit caring what other people think about you. And the Lord has a way of helping you with that. A lot of times it'll come through difficult things like being rejected and stuff like that. But through it, he's getting all that out of you. He's getting all that caring what others think. So you can be bold. See, humility and boldness go together. All right, and then here's kind of what I want to close out with. Deception brings, or pride brings deception. I'm sharing this story. I mean, it's really vague. You have absolutely no idea who I'm talking about. But there was a minister years and years and years ago, and I, I really love this individual. But when he got saved, he, got, he seemed to have a propensity 
to go kind of before he became a Christian to go kind of from one cult to the next cult. I'm talking about non-Christian cults, okay? And so he just kind of had a propensity toward deception. And um, there's a pride there that was guiding him through this to, to have a name. You know what I'm saying? When you go into these different groups, you want to rise to power, have a name, gain power, gain prestige, gain knowledge. But see, all that's rooted in pride. And then after accepting Christ, what a testimony. I mean, it's wonderful. But at the same time, never really dealing with that root of pride in there. And so over time, ending up gravitating in the body of Christ into more of a sectarian group in the body. I believe that they, they're born again, but that pride ended up guiding his feet into that group. And this group has is, is really gone in, into some extremes that are not healthy. And now, years later, teaching has progressed to where, let me give you one example. It started out one way in preaching, you know, and it was pretty Bible-based, but then it became more and more with this rabbinic Judaism and it started to be, well, you know, eating kosher for health. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But then it gets into, well, you know, if you're not going to eat kosher, then you're really being rebellious toward the Lord. Then over time, it gets to where, well, if you're not going to eat kosher, rebellion is as witchcraft. So, you know, and then, then the last statement I heard was well there's all these people out there that call themselves prophets but you know they'll go home and eat a ham sandwich I wouldn't listen to anything they have to say you see what I'm saying it gets in it gets really ridiculous and embarrassing so my point is is pride got that person there are you hearing me and don't think that it can't happen to you What you need to be saying is that it, before the Lord, saying, Lord, help me. Somebody that snickers about that and stuff like that. There was a minister one time that got up and was talking about another minister that fell. He had committed adultery on his wife, and he was like, bless God, I'll never commit adultery. It wasn't 12 months later that he had committed adultery. So don't sit back and snicker at other people. That's arrogant. So this individual ended up getting sucked in to this because of the pride in him that never got dealt with. Before Christ, going from one cult to the next cult to the next cult, ends up as a Christian, but ends up as a Christian getting sucked into kind of a, a sect, like an offshoot in the body that has a lot of deception in it. And what's come out of this group is there's an arrogance in that group that feels that they're better than everybody else in the body of Christ. They feel like all the other body of Christ is, has so much of Babylon in it, but they're so pure from it. They feel that there's so much error, and I'm not saying there's not error, 
But they, they talk as though everybody else in the body of Christ is so far off. But of course, they know everything. They, they cannot humble themselves to submit under the greater fivefold ministry in the body. They call them, well, they're off and they're teaching. And obviously, they, they eat ham sandwiches. So, you know, I guess they're all going to hell, right? And they just have that attitude about it. And so they're in this little sect over here that believes this crazy stuff. But it's pride that got them in there. When you're humble, you can be a part of the greater body of Christ, even though you may not always agree with everything. There's some things out there that I just, I don't agree with. There's some things out there that I will not have in here. But I'm still a part of the greater body of Christ and I love them and I pray for them. And there's a fivefold ministry in the greater body of Christ that we need to be submitted to and listening to their teaching. And I'll tell you something, my wife and I talked about this. This may be one of, one of the greater strengths I think that God has helped me with is this. I listen to the different groups in the body of Christ, even this sectarian group I'm talking about, they have some good teaching. But they also have some goofy stuff, some crazy stuff. But see, there's truth all throughout the body of Christ. There's groups like, for example, there's the prophetic group. Then you've got the group based mainly out of Oklahoma faith, faith teaching group. I love them. There's some wonderful teaching. And then you'll have groups over here that's more harp and bowl worship and that's all that they teach on then you'll have the revival group which i'm definitely a part of that group but you know they have that group and then you've got the group over here that doesn't like the revival group but they're really good at street witnessing and they're awesome they may not like me but they're still awesome and so i listen to them teach me how to be an effective witness you see what i'm saying and so the whole body of christ has it's it's different strengths that you can glean from and it reminds me of the statement that says you know um, we all have the mind of christ and once you get mature in the lord you can handle all that stuff it doesn't bother you but this is what the danger is though be careful for pride because what does ephesians 4 11 say it says that god's given the fivefold ministry for the equipping of the saints but listen to what it says it says that the babes are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. They're tossed like waves. Somebody will teach one thing, they go over there. Then somebody will teach something else, they're over there now. There's, there comes a point in time when we've got to really mature in the word and we've got to know what we believe. And we're not going to be moved. I've even had family, relatives, that have given me a hard time about tongues but I'm just going to tell you, it's God. I love them. They're flat wrong. And they are not going to budge me. Tongues are God. They have a problem with revival. <laughs> I mean, I love them. But I know what I believe. And I'm not going to be moved. So, be careful. I'll close with this. Be careful about false humility. Stay humble. Don't end up being somebody that the pride in you that you don't know is there. That guy doesn't know it's there. If he did, he'd repent. Don't be the one that the pride in you 
ends up guiding your steps into deception. Be the one that humbles yourself in prayer and says, Lord, you know me a lot better than I know me. You see things in me I don't see. Show me what I need to see and take it out of me. Don't stop till it's out of me. And he'll begin to show you stuff that you don't like to see. But he'll get it out of you if you ask him. He'll take it out of you. So false humility. Be careful with that. Somebody that has false humility knows how to act all humble. But it's a show. They put on airs and they act humble. They're always apologizing. They'll always carry themselves a certain way that's, that's acting humble. But inside they're full of pride. That's just insecure. Don't, you know, false humility, maybe you dress down or you, you're talking bad about yourself to try to uh, act like you're humble or something. It's a, it's a show. It's false humility is just acting a certain way, but yet the person's full of pride. You know, pride is interesting because sometimes I see people that are full of pride and I love them and I'm thinking to myself, how in the world this has got to be spiritual? It makes sense that sometimes certain people are extremely gifted in athletics or extremely gifted in music or they're, they're naturally just brilliant or something that maybe they have a pride issue in that that makes sense. But there's people that are living on the street as a bum with nothing that are so full of pride they'll kick the bum next to them. Pride is a spiritual problem. It's a root of iniquity in people that they don't know is there you know I think about the phrase the mystery of iniquity did y'all hear what I just said I think that there's things that are iniquitous in people that they'll they'll never see it listen to what I'm saying they will never see it unless God shows it to them so be careful for false humility and here's the five things spiritual pride I talked about it last week. Don't be judgmental and critical of others. Even if they don't have your convictions because they may not have ever had the encounter with God you had. And the only reason you had it is because of God's grace and mercy in your life. And if God ever touches them, they may explode into a spiritual giant that topples all of us. You know, we're all sitting there going, wow, look at them, you know. Just be humble. Be careful with being caught up with status and the opinions of others. Don't be like that individual that took their kids out of revival because my status in the community. You know, I live in an area that there seems to be kind of an air of pride there. And there's a lot of people, a lot of people in that area that as I talk to them, now, there's a really large uh, church there, which I, I have nothing against the church at all, but, but it's a lot of people in the community, if you talk to them, they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are not saved, and they don't live a righteous life, and they don't even hardly ever go to that church. Maybe they go on Christmas or something, you know. But it's a status thing. And I remember one time, we had had a powerful evangelist come and we were out there and many of these very people that would say 
yeah, I'm a Christian, and they would say, I go to such and such church, because that's what everybody does in the community. It's a status thing. They would say that. I'm not saying that they go, but that's what they would say. And I remember that this evangelist was out there talking to witnessing to people, and we were out there with him. And there was people coming out of these places that had, had a few too many to drink anyway, and they could not stand that evangelist. pride see if you're a true christian when i go out of here tonight and i may be talking to people if i saw somebody out there and they were witnessing i would be cheering them on you know and if somebody came up to me and witnessed to me i would be like well i'm really a christian you know but man thank you that you're out talking to people about jesus you're awesome but see these people hated that evangelist they came out of there and couldn't stand that he was out there witnessing the people you know why because it flew in the face of their lifestyle but they're just caught up with status opinions of others status in the community also a lot of unforgiveness a lot of judging and being critical of others is is pride okay but unforgiveness a lot of times is rooted in pride the reason why people sometimes have a hard time forgiving others is because of pride. Think about it for a minute. Who am I to ever not forgive somebody? Look how much Jesus has had to forgive me. And also about being critical of parents. I know many people down through the years, the Bible says that if you don't honor your parents, things are not going to go well for you. You know, let me put it this way. If you honor your parents, things will go well and you'll have long life. The reason why Derek Prince brought this out in his amazing book, Blessings and Curses You Can Choose, um, but he was talking about he had seen how Christians, some of them, would not honor their parents and how they just, they always struggled in life. And once they really repented of that and began to honor their parents and ask God to forgive them, he said, man, they really started doing well. And so pride, because even if you feel like you didn't have the best parents or whatever, the Bible doesn't say honor your parents if they're good parents. It says honor your parents, period. You're not going to get out of it. And if you dishonor them, you're going to live frustrated because things are not going to go well. And so there's a sowing and a reaping there. And Carol Arnott did a teaching that she had gotten from some other people. I can't remember their name. But during the revival, she taught on people's attitude toward their parents and she was saying how when people are, are critical and negative about their parents that they end up reaping that in that they will do the same things that they're judging in their parents she said that they'll sit there and criticize this about their parents and then turn around and end up doing the very thing that they're criticizing why the law of sowing and reaping and she brought that out and it was really something because i've seen that if people will forgive what they need to forgive, if they'll love their parents and they'll bless them and they'll honor them. Now let me just say, because my wife would, you know, she wouldn't want me to say this, but I'll say it anyway. But she, um, she has really honored her mom. And her mom and her really got crossways years ago. And um, her mom, I know many of you know her testimony, but her mom could have handled things a lot better than what she did. And but Sandy forgave her, goes out and sees her, 
took her on a cruise for her birthday, was it? Spends time with her, wants to help her financially. And if Sandy wanted to, she could be bitter and not like her. And to be honest with you, she would have some reason to. But she's forgiven her, and her mom gave her a hug and, and said thank you. And she's, God's doing a work in her mom. And I believe she's going to be saved. But Sandy's honoring her mother. All right, last couple things. Humility, again, honoring parents. It's rooted in humility. Now, let me say this, is, and then we need to pray. Generational iniquity. People say, well, what about it being a generational thing? Pride, absolutely, 100%. Y'all, please hear me. Pride very much can be an iniquity drive in people that travels down family bloodlines. So you need to pray, Lord, forgive me for pride in me and in my ancestry because that generational iniquity can go down the bloodline. What iniquity is, and I even heard a pastor just this week say this, and it's so true. He said a lot of times you'll see that the sins that the son struggles with, his father struggled with them. The sins that the daughter struggled with, the mother struggled with them. Why? Because it's generational iniquity. In other words, things are come down bloodlines and what happens is is that people in them have tendencies toward certain things and in this case there's a, a root of iniquity in somebody about pride that leads them to be prideful but if they'll humble themselves how many knows jesus was bruised for our iniquity so he paid for the iniquity if we'll humble ourselves and say, Lord, forgive me for this pride in me and in my ancestry, take it out of me. But it is not an easy thing to pray all the way through because Leviathan has many different heads. You see this one head over here being prideful in this area and you cut the head off here and then you've got six others prop up over here that pop up rather. And so you're going to have to cut the head off every single thing. So you have to let the Lord show you every area that there's pride. Is there spiritual pride? Is there pride about intellect? Is there pride about this? You know, are you dealing with too much about the opinions of others? Are you somebody caught up in status? How do you treat people? Because pride causes us to treat people wrong. So ask God to show you all the areas of pride and begin to pull all that out. And he will. Why am I preaching on this? Because I don't want the enemy to have any room to attack anybody down the road. The Bible says, don't be ignorant of his devices. And let me assure you that he studies. And when I talk about the devil, I'm talking about necessarily Lucifer, but these spirits, territorial, different spirits around, they study. And if they can find a root in somebody, a pride or rebellion, they will try to exploit that. Don't let them do it. So now, if I believe if we begin to humble ourselves and pray now and say, Lord, take this out of me and show me everything I need to see. Force me to see it so that I can deal with it. Cause it to come up where I can see it. God will do it. Now, it won't be comfortable. It won't be fun at all. But it will be very, very fruitful for you. Because God will change you. He'll take all that out and set you free. And there is an it's so awesome to be free. Amen. All right, so Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you so much for what you're doing. 
I thank you, Lord, for everything that, that you've um, been speaking to us and what you've been doing in this ministry. Lord, we love you and I ask you to seal this word in our hearts. And Lord, I believe everybody here wants this, but we ask you, Lord, to search us and know us. See if there's any wicked way in us. Lord, help us to see what we could not see so that we can repent. Cause things to come up in a healthy way that we can see it. And Lord, we ask you to reach in us as Catherine Coleman prayed and take everything out of us by the roots and kill it that's not like Jesus. Take it all out and let us be really pure, as pure as it is possible to be. Let us be free for it is in Christ that he has set us free. And we thank you, Lord, that there's freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ and what you did for us on the cross. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to go through and pray for people tonight.